It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, you got to show up. you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick. Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT, and uh, hi to all my uh, Raider fans out there. And go Raiders. And now... Here's JT the Brick. All right, hour number two, live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center inside the Raider facility today. Ian Rappaport, two hours ago reporting, looking at some possible trade candidates, focusing on Bears offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins and the Raiders' Alex Leatherwood. So what happens with Leatherwood, who's really been the story of camp from a national and a local level here, Will he make the team? Will he not? Uh, I thought he had a better chance a week ago than after that game I just saw against the Patriots and what we're seeing with the depth of that position now. And I've been a believer for a long time, well over two months, not a month, two months, that Dave Ziegler will get another offensive lineman here after cutdowns. I think there'll be a player or two that they might be focusing on or like that could be waived or released by another team and the Raiders can bring him in. And there's no doubt if they do that, They believe that said player, whoever it is, is better than Leatherwood, and they can go in that direction. The rest of the offensive line, it's go time. This is it. Andre James is going to go up against a really good Chargers front. He's got to be ready to play. We have confidence in him. Colt Miller, outstanding. The rest of that interior line, Lester Cotton Sr., the players that have been there in the past, Simpson, the players that are trying to compete to get on, Illuminor, whoever the players are, They're going to make that final offensive line roster, make the cuts, down to 53. I'm going to be looking at the depth even more so than that. I'm going to be looking at the depth of Dylan Parnham, what he's able to do. We're going to wonder what we can see out of Thayer Mumford Jr., and will he be able to go as Brandon Parker is on IR. But it would be nice to bring in another player or two. We'll get back to that in a second. Always thrilled to talk to my guy, T.J. Reeves, the Buccaneers sideline guy. He's a college football broadcaster on top of that, too. And, T.J., thanks for coming in. Uh, Put a bow around this Buccaneers preseason. From your perspective, there sure was a lot of news. A ton. Always good to be with you. Football close here, Mr. Brick. And Tom Brady back after the hiatus. And it has been interesting. It has been different. Uh, needless to say, there's a lot of attention on Tom Brady being gone and being back. And now you point to an opening game with the Dallas Cowboys that might have just a little bit of interest with the iconic franchise that the Cowboys are and the fact that Brady is arguably the iconic player in the league. I know you want to talk about that in a couple of moments as well. So we, we have no shortage of subplots right now. Mr. Brick, coming out of the preseason, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think one of the subplots are the Bucks being banged up on the interior line, which I'd like you to comment on, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys lose one of their best offensive linemen, too, so there are some injuries to the guys who have to protect the quarterbacks, both big, popular quarterbacks in Dak, Dak Prescott and the GOAT and Tom Brady. Yeah, very true. And, and by the way, I'm a Memphis guy, as you know, so any chance that the Bucks can get their hands on Dylan Parnum, like you were saying there a second ago, probably not going to happen. I think the Raiders like him. But, but the Buccaneers have injuries on the interior line. First of all, the Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen suffered a knee injury on the first day of training camp. The severity is not known. They, they, they have been very cryptic with that, but he's not going to be able to play at the beginning of the year. So they're trying to go with a backup 
center who's not snapped before in the NFL. He snapped some at Notre Dame, a second-year player named Robert Hainsey. Hainsey even suffered, suffered JT an ankle injury in the final preseason game the other night in Indianapolis. It's not believed to be serious, but they've got real depth issues at center. Uh, last year, offensive guard Ali Marpet retired in the offseason. He was a pro bowler. They've got to replace him. So the interior line in front of Brady is a real question mark right now. And he is a quarterback that is a different quarterback when he is being pressured and or hit, especially early on in a game. They have kept him incredibly protected and clean for a lot of these two years in Tampa Bay. But that is definitely going to be a challenge right now with the banged up offensive line. And by the way, the Cowboys have a fantastic defensive line, too. So right away, week one matchup is a real concern, especially in the middle of the Bucks' offensive line. T.J. Reeves is our guest. So in regards to the, the hiatus that Brady took and the vacation and all of that, are, are you just shocked by the amount of people who have been saying stupid things about the mass Singer and did he get facial work done and all that? How is that playing out in Tampa? Because I look at the social media and there are people that are really into this topic because they never expected Tom to take some time away from the team because he's a machine in training camp and wants to get everybody lined up better, plus protection considering he's going to lose some offensive linemen. So it was just bizarre that he left, but we can all understand if it's a private matter brady has the right to his privacy can i just say i don't know what to believe at this mm. point because we've, we've gone from the mass singer we've gone to marital problems with giselle which that's now been dispelled privately even though he won't say so publicly was his mother sick again which was a very public mm. thing in the 2017 season we've been assured that's not it uh not from him but from people close to him that's not it so now you're left to wonder, what is it? And we, and we hear things about hair restoration and plastic surgery on the bingo card. The next thing I want to hear is he joined the Live Golf Tour, Brother Brick. <laughs> and he's going to be playing in Boston this week for the Live Golf Tour. Uh, we don't know what to make of this. He spoke the other night after the game, which kind of surprised me because he wasn't obligated to do that. Didn't really dispel any of this. Um, I think there are some question marks, but you and I both know what the biggest cure is, is week one, game one against the Cowboys. If he's lighting it up and they win the game, all of this is a non-story. It all goes away about taking time away from training camp. Now, conversely, if he's not very good and there are problems, then all of this is going to continue to be talked about and brought up. But right now here in Tampa Bay, they can't get enough of why was he gone, why is he not explaining more, uh, specifically where he was in the middle of a training camp. And again, we got to have something to talk about here at the end of, of preseason yeah. before the regular season begins. Wrapping it up with T.J. Reeves. So I wanted to have Jan to talk about his number one overall ranking in the NFL 100, which if you're the, gra- <laughs> if you're the greatest player of all time, I'm fine with that. But I, I think at this stage of the game, the only thing that's interesting to me is I thought Aaron Donald deserved it, and I would have given it to Cooper Cup over him because he had the triple crown, and that hasn't happened in 16 years. And I think the Rams are ticked off by that. Brady acknowledged it, and he's very happy about the opportunity and all that. It means a lot to him. That's a hell of an award, too. You get an actual trophy, and it's voted on by your peers. Were you surprised to see that? Did you see that coming? I thought that was interesting. I figured he would be somewhere in the top ten, but... I mean, let's just say this. Aaron Donald, phenomenal player. You can go down the list with Cooper Cup or Aaron Rodgers or any of these top players and how good they are, Alvin Kamara in the backfield, etc. But to be 45 years old and be playing at as high a level as he was at the end of last season, 
where he ends up throwing for over 4,000 yards. He's right up among the league leaders in yards and, and in the top five in touchdowns, by the way, at the end of the year, too. They win the division. They win a playoff game. He leads the stirring comeback against the Rams from 21 down, throwing the ball. Tom Brady, at the end of last year, he still got it. So I can understand where there was some sentiment about him being the GOAT and about being up at the top. But you're right. I mean, it may be fueling now the Rams one more way. And by the way, the Rams and Bucks will play later in the year in early November in Tampa this time after the Rams got the better of them uh, in the regular season last year in L.A. and then obviously won again at uh, at Raymond James Stadium in the playoffs. So uh, I'm just fascinating. I don't know, JT, again, uh, we'll probably say this again on your show coming up uh, at some point early in the year. I don't know how long this lasts. How long does the elbow hold up? How long does the shoulder hold up? Can they keep him upright? He is 45 years old, but for right now, we're going to enjoy the ride and see how long uh, he can keep making the throws. I can tell you just one time real quick here at the beginning of the preseason game the other night in Indianapolis, I was right there at field level like you are at the Raiders sideline in the preseason TV. He was right in front of me warming up right before the game, throwing bullets every which direction. And I'm going, this guy's 45 with the with the arm and the elbow and the shoulder. He looks good to start the year. We'll see if it continues. Yeah, you must be amazed by that, to have this opportunity in your career to cover Brady. And he got the ring. He already did it. And they're clearly a playoff favorite. So to win the division at a minimum of wild card, going into it, even with a couple of guys banged up, I mean, the energy of covering the GOAT, on the very back end of his career with the Fox TV contract and the possibility of this being the last season. Is it going to feel like that? It's going to be that national story when he plays the Cowboys, it's the last time, or he's playing in this venue, it's going to be the last time. Do you get a, do you get a feel for this, that this is going to be a victory lap for him on the road all year? Yes, it seemingly that is what it's going to be because we're not promised 2023. He is not committed to next year. He does not have a two-year deal. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy that uh, it, we may be doing this over and over again for all these different road games and the, and the last big matchup, you know, with the Packers or with Mahomes on Sunday night football in week four. So it will be different, and you're right. It's almost it's now settled in a little bit, but it has been surreal the last couple of years to see him out there in Buccaneer colors doing all of this. But we, we had to get used to that. We, we got used to Peyton Manning being in something other than Colt colors. I mean, you, you go into Indianapolis, as you've done, and everywhere, there's likenesses of Peyton Manning. There's a statue. There's his likeness on the stadium. There's his number in the Ring of Fame. But he finished his career in Denver, winning a Super Bowl in Denver. So uh, we have to get used to these guys finishing somewhere else, Montana finishing in Kansas City or Michael Jordan putting on a Wizards jersey. It happens now in sports. We're going to see Spence Crawford, the fight we've been waiting for, our entire friendship. <laughs> Are we going to see this? I know you do a boxing I, podcast, which is I know really I popular. Do, I do. And, and look, I'm as big a fight fan as you are, and you're a big one, and I, I, I want that. You're in Vegas. Get, get the money figured out. These are the two best welterweights, and I don't think it's an over-exaggeration mm-hmm. that 40 years later, this is an older, they're both older than Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns, who were in their early 20s. This is Hearns and, uh, and Sugar Ray Leonard again. Get Spence and Crawford in there. Amen. Get the money figured out. Let's go before the year is over with here. What are we waiting on? Can you believe we have? I'll be there tonight uh, before the Raiders' home opener, but it'll be Triple G and Canelo in a trilogy fight, and we can't make, yes. a, big, we can't make a bigger fight. They can't which is a much bigger fight in Spence Crawford as these guys are going through it for the third time. It's an embarrassment to the sport. 
We saw this with, with Floyd Mayweather and at times the ducking of Pacquiao, and I thought that that was Floyd ducking Pacquiao. Pacquiao would take any fight at any time. Floyd, I think, waited for him to age, to age out. That was a, that's a good debate topic. But the fact that these promoters can't make a fight that would be the biggest fight maybe— I mean, Fury Wilder was great because right. the last fight was just brilliant. I didn't expect it to be that good, but I'm just amazed that promoters can't make the fight that everybody wants to see, aren't you? Get him paid. Get yeah. Terrence Crawford what he wants. Get him paid, and we might, we'll might we probably see an automatic rematch no matter what happens. We're going to get this thing twice. So yeah. let's hope they get that done. I'm with you as a fight fan. We want the bigger, more important ones, and let's hope we get that one done. We know we've got Canelo Triple G. And uh, we'll just kind of go from there with the football season getting everything rolling, Mr. Brett. Take care, my friend. Hey, give me a college game. How's your college schedule looking? You got a big game coming uh, up? I will work I will work this game that might have some interest on Compass Media. And I will gladly be on your show and shows. Texas A&M, Alabama, which Ooh. likely is a primetime game October 8th in Tuscaloosa. Might there be a couple of people interested in that grudge match? <laughs> I think so. So I'll be happy to come on with you around that time for that one, but we'll be on before talking Brady, college football, whatever you need, my friend. All Take care, buddy. All the best. Best to your family. See you later. TJ Reeves, the Buccaneer sideline guy. Good guest to have as Tom Brady was voted by his peers number one, the top player in the NFL at the NFL 100. I don't agree with that decision. I think Brady's the greatest football player of all time. He was 44 last year. And I think Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup are pissed off about it. And I know the rest of the Ram players are. They feel it's a level of disrespect, an absolute level of disrespect to Aaron Donald, who at this stage is in the absolute prime of his career and is a train wrecker, a guy who can do it all. Thanks again to T.J. Reeves. Mark Anderson is going to be joining us coming up in a bit, the great Las Vegas Review-Journal writer on UNLV, winning their first game of the year against Idaho State. Yes, the Bengals, I believe, because I was outside the gates ready to go in, and I saw a bunch of Bengals jerseys. I go, what's going on here? That's the name of the team. I don't even know if it is, but saw a lot of Bengal fans there. And Marcus Arroyo had an easy day at the office. Also, Bishop Gorman losing a modern day with the lead. Ooh, that one hurt. But we had the Raider game that night, and I wasn't able to go to that. That would have been unbelievable. Gorman had a chance. They should have won the game. Tip of the cap to Modern Day, who has been a juggernaut to win that game. In Vegas at Gorman, that's a gut punch. The Gales will be back. They play a national schedule because they're really good in town here, along with Liberty. But that was a game they needed to have. It was a grudge match, and they lost it. Congratulations to both coaches and kids for putting on a hell of a show, man. That's big-time high school football here. You want to talk about the Raider preseason? You could be the last callers, the last callers to call in on the lifeline for Alex Leatherwood. You're it. You're it. I don't know. I'm sure Q's going to take your calls too. But into this show to try to get in before tomorrow on the future of Alex Leatherwood. You watched the preseason. You heard what the coaches said. Do you think he makes the team or not? Sound off like you got a pair. 702-365-9200. And then the schedule kicks in. I got it right here in front of me. Buffalo at the Rams. NBC, prime time, September 8th. And then we get into that regular season where the Raiders open up on the road in Los Angeles against the Chargers in what feels like a really big game. I mean, a huge game in the division, a road game. What a, what a great story it would be 
if the Raiders can go in and win that game. 702-365-9200, as we are brought to you by our good friend Sam and Ash. Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you get into a car accident or any pedestrian accident, make sure you get safe and get to the side of the road and then get ready for Sam and Ash. They'll come in and help you. They'll help you. They're fantastic at what they do. They make the process easy. Sam and Ash, the best, are personal injury attorneys. Empty backfield on first and seven. Brumfield, shotgun, takes the snap, two-step drop, pass out on the flat. It's caught by Robbins. He lunges, and he is in for a touchdown. Third touchdown of the first half for Aiden Robbins. The first two was rushing. That was a pass, and the Rebels go up 44-7 with 42 seconds to go in the second quarter and the extra point coming up. How cool is that on Rebels Radio? UNLV gets a win. Mark Anderson from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, longtime reporter and insider, kind enough to join us. And, Mark, let's begin. I wasn't impressed with the degree of difficulty with the opponent, Idaho State, coming in here. But the Rebels needed a big win, an early win, to get the season going. How'd you say it? Oh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, we, how many times have we seen UNLV in the past play a team it should handle and, and it, that game's a lot closer and it should be, or UNLV even loses the game. So, um you know, part of being a good team is beating the teams you're supposed to. And, and in this case, I think he be like a 23-and-a-half-point favorite, something like that. And mm. so that's a team they really should have beat down, and they did. And it uh, doesn't mean they're going to carry this forward, but that, that's what you're supposed to do in these types of games. Uh, your opinion on the quarterback situation and what they have with a 1-and-1-A quarterback there. And, you know, can you win a game that early, you don't go to the bench no matter what, including practice. So what are you hearing going forward? Yeah, I think Brumfield's their guy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, I think I think as long as he keeps playing like he did Saturday, he'll be their starting quarterback. And you know, and then maybe they can work Harrison Bailey in, and mm-hmm. maybe even Cameron Friel. But I think that those players will be worked in only if the game, you know, the the outcome's no longer uh, in doubt. I, I just I just think they're going to go with Brumfield unless he struggles and and mm-hmm. they have to make a change. But I think their intention at this point is to go with Brumfield. Yeah, I thought Bailey would get the opportunity, a big-time recruit coming in here that goes back away with Marcus Arroyo, but obviously Coach Arroyo was comfortable with what he saw in making that decision there, and it's nice to know that there's a couple of quarterbacks on that roster that can step up and play well. Yeah, and, you know, the temptation when you bring in a, a, a quarterback or any kind of high-profile player from from a, a power five such as Tennessee is to is to play him, uh, especially if, you know, they're – give him all the indications uh, that he is going to get the opportunity to play. Um, so you have to give Royal credit for, for going with who he thought was that, the actual better quarterback, and and the results you know backed him up. I mean, we'll see going forward, but right now it looks like Brumfield is the better player. Mark Anderson's our guest, and the performance of Ricky White, two first-half receiving touchdowns and his 182 receiving yards – that's the, I'm seeing here, the 11th highest single-game total in UNLV history. Some good chemistry there. Yeah, and one thing that UNLV really hasn't had over the years, they've actually, they, one thing UNLV's done a good job of having good receivers, but they haven't had a real burner uh, mm-hmm. who, can, who can be a, uh, uh, 
who can catch a lot of passes. They'll have the occasional speedster who maybe once or twice will make you play. But they haven't had a guy like Ricky White who will catch that high volume of passes and get downfield. So I, I think I think that's a really big weapon for them. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously we'll see how teams defend them. You have to think they're going to start bracketing them or doing other things they can to kind of make Brumfield go to other receivers. But that's a, that's a heck of a weapon for only be a sophomore, too. Mark Anderson joins us. So at Cal on the 10th is a big game because that's a game after that. They should beat UNT and then, you know, US, <laughs> U after that. There's some games here. There's a lot of games here that if they're a legit team, they should win. I wouldn't call them complete cupcakes like Idaho State, but there's a lot of winnable games here on the schedule. I'm interested to see how they bounce back after a good win, great momentum, feeling relatively healthy going into Cal in a hostile environment. How do you see it? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm really curious to see how this how they play going forward. We, we've seen this in the past where you know we will play really well, and you think, okay, well, maybe now they're kind of getting it together, and then they just don't build on it. Uh, I think I think they can go up to Cal and win, or at least be competitive. And I, I think if they're not at least competitive, I think it's a very big disappointment for them. Uh, they need to, they need to keep this going. And um, and you're right, there are games on the schedule that they can they can, not easily win, but they can win, have a great shot at winning. Um, and they need to take advantage of those opportunities. And this is if they get it together, this is a potential bowl team. Um, but they yeah. they got a long way to go. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up from the review journalism, I'm turning pages in the paper here. Uh, the Aces got a lot of coverage with that loss. And again, a slow start, a very slow start for a top seed here. How do you see that now their back's up against the wall and how they have to come back with a win? Yeah, I think one thing you can take away from this if you're an Aces fan is that Aja Wilson um, wasn't really any kind of factor and they still mm-hmm. almost won the game and probably should have won the game. Um, so... I think she's going to get much more involved going forward. And if she can really, if she can play up to her usual standards, that will open up the floor for the other players. And I don't think you'll see Kelsey Plum shoot that poorly many more times than she did yesterday. Uh, so you've got to figure those two players are going to up their games to back to what you're used to seeing them. Uh, and I think, I think the aces will be right there with a chance to win this thing. The one, Big caution I have for the Aces right now, and I um, and I had this even before yesterday was Dierka Hamby not having her is right. such a big loss, and I I don't know if they can win it all without her. Uh, I think they can maybe get by Seattle without her, but winning it all they they need they need her back. Hey Mark, finally the Raiders really drew a big crowd from my perspective. I'll get the exact number. That was a big crowd for a preseason game, and I think it was the perfect storm. You know, fans get a chance to go to a preseason game if they can't go to a regular season game. A lot of kids come. The alumni, two hundred and forty plus Raider alumni, there, and a good opponent. I think a juicy storyline: McDaniel's versus Belichick. What do you think of the Raiders closing out the preseason undefeated at four and zero? Yeah, you know, I think they draw really well for both preseason games, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's, I mean, you can tell Raiders fans are really optimistic going into this season. I mean, I think everyone knows that it's a really tough division. But, it, you know, there's a, there's a great feeling that the Raiders, Raiders will have a real shot at making the, not only making the playoffs, but going deep into the postseason. And so there, there's a real excitement about this team that wasn't around this team even last year. Uh, when fans could see him for the first time in Las Vegas, um, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I, 
I think the way they played in the preseason underscores that. What really is impressive to me is their backups outplayed the uh, 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 the Patriots starters. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so I don't tend to read too much into preseason games, but that was pretty eye opening to me. And uh, I don't know if it's more of a commentary on the Raiders or the Patriots, but you just you just don't see that. So you know, I I I like uh, I like where they're heading going into the season, and obviously they have some tough decisions to make by tomorrow, but. Um, you know, generally speaking, this is going to be a fun team to watch. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Always appreciate you. Sounds good, JT. Thanks for having me on. Mark Anderson, a tremendous journalist, covers UNLV, covers everything here in town here. He's right about the Raiders. The Raiders look good with their backups against some starters for New England. What I'm fascinated to see here is the Raiders went undefeated. That doesn't mean much. It doesn't. It doesn't mean everything in starting off 4-0 in the regular season. But I watched the New England Patriots at one of their practices and the game, and they don't look good. And I've talked to – I talked to a number of their uh, insiders who came on the show. We had Phil Perry. We had Greg Bedard. They were not impressed. They were not impressed. So I just want to say also uh, found out through the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, he helped me out here, Harry Ruiz, that the attendance for the Raider game was 61,323. 61,323, and I was the MC at halftime, so I'll say for the rest of my life, without exaggerating, I got to speak in front of 61,323. I'm sure that number is not accurate. I'm sure some people were getting a beverage at halftime or going to the restroom, but I noticed looking up at the upper deck, the place looked pretty packed to me. It was a lot of fun being out there. Big Al in San Francisco as the Raiders get ready for cutdowns. What's happening, Big Al? No, JT, I was looking at some stuff concerning uh, cutdowns for a couple teams, but obviously most specifically the Raiders. Uh, and then I was reading this morning about Dar- you know uh, this negotiation for Waller trying to get the biggest contract in the history of, t- of tight ends now. I know the world has changed since you know uh, you know the '80s and the early '90s for the game that I really loved, uh, and the tight end is more of a wide receiver now, and they split out more, and therefore perhaps that they should be compensated more money, and I totally get that. But when I take a look at uh, the you know the Raiders, the Raiders are like 20 million under the cap, is my understanding from what I read this morning, and then I was taking a look at uh, what the Raiders need to be able to uh, win this division. And I take a look at Waller, and I see Waller's production went down last year in touchdowns, in yards received, and number of catches. The team's production went up. They won 10 games, you know, for uh, double digits for the first time since 2016. Um, and I take a look at what, what the team really needs. I'm not so sure why they would overpay Darren Waller. Um, when his production went down last year, when they have other much more pressing needs, most specifically in the uh, offensive line, I'm not. I'm just not understanding this logic at all. And I hope that the Raiders hold tight. And uh, if they're going to pay Waller, let's see what he did. Let's one show me you're healthy for the first five weeks of the season, and show me that your production is going to go up and not necessarily go down. Um, I know I'm from a, just a traditional world. I guess I just don't believe in paying for potential. Um, and you know, and secondly. It'll be interesting, you know, with, you know, with this cutdown coming up and all these different things that are going to be happening tomorrow, let's hope there's some diamonds in the rough that the Raiders can use this money that they're uh, under the cap for and being able to pick up some quality, experienced linemen that they can plug in right away. 
you know, they tried that two years ago with Incognito, but he spent more time on, you know, you know, more time in the tub, so to speak, than he did actually on the field. Let's try to go out and get some guys that can play. You know, I, why, you know, defensively, why can't we go pick up a guy who can rush the edge behind um, Jones and behind Crosby? Somebody like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's still out on the market for reasons I don't understand. I mean, I look at Pierre-Paul. He's a borderline Hall of Fame player. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. Even with the fireworks. Thanks, Big Al. Great phone call. Very in-depth. Jason Pierre-Paul's a hell of a player. Again, he lost some fingers during the firework accident. The guy's a beast. That's a really good point. No one's talking about him. In regards to Darren Waller's contract, I've uh, kept my role here the same my entire time I've been with the team. I don't talk about people's money. I'm in the building today. I would never do that. Dave Ziegler's here. Darren Waller. I'm, I would never talk about anyone's money until they get it or not. Do I have opinions on what they should do or what they can do? Yeah, I have opinions. But again, in my situation here, I never get in the way of a player's money because that can alienate a player to me. And I'm in a different situation. I got to deal with these guys and talk to them. So when they get their money or not, then I get a chance to react to it. And Josina Anderson put out three hours ago, my understanding is Raiders tight end Darren Waller has had a deal in discussion that would make him the highest paid at his position in terms of at least new money. Average per year metric at $16 million a year per, per league source. Waller is currently in the midst of changing representation. Vic Tafer from The Athletic. Will Darren Waller's agent change help him land a new deal with the Raiders? So these are the discussions that are going on right now. Will he get an extension or not? And he's trending on Twitter. I, I just want to see him available to play. I just want to see him available to play. I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's very important to what's going to happen here. NBC Sports Edge reporting Darren Waller extension of $16 million a year in the works. We'll wait to hear from it from Dave Ziegler and what's going to happen here. But I look at it. He's at this WNBA playoff semifinals game sitting next to Marcel Reese. The coaches think he's a good guy. He shows up. He's, he's ready to go. And the question is, he's in the middle of a negotiation for a contract. We all know that. And that could get delicate, very delicate with a player and his mindset when they want to get paid and they want guaranteed money. Reggie, North Las Vegas on the flagship of the Raiders. JT the Brick, my man. I didn't get to see you at the game like I normally do. But when I saw you walk out on the field, man, with that alumni and you hosted the halftime, I was proud of you, man. I'm looking down like that dude came a long way. That's hard work, bro. I already know it. You don't get something like that just being decent. You know what I mean? So, JT, hats off to you, man. And hats off to Raider Nation. Do you know I had eight plus? Actually, we had nine recipients of the get them to the game reward for fans to be able to come to the game. And we were out there in numbers, man. They were enjoying themselves. A little drop on it real quick. I got blessed to be in a commercial with Coors Light, and they blessed me with some tickets. So, man, Raider Nation, stand up. I can't wait to see what happens from here. We have uh, fans get to the Raider game. We have fans out at the Aces game. 
and we got fans out to the UNLV game. That is major love right there. And I'm hoping we're going to get some more support, not only from these fans, man, but from these teams. They could uh, help us out with this and get these fans to these games. But I just got mad love for Raider Nation. I'm I'm excited. I was all pumped up on the uh, Darren Waller thing, and then I thought about it. Man, I can't be talking about his money either. I'm all about this fan base. I love Raider Nation, and they showing me that they love the Silver and Black Panther. Raider Nation Radio, stand up. Raiders! Let's go, baby! Yeah, and it's going to be fun to see if Darren Waller, depending on what the situation happens with the money and all that, yeah, being ready to go to play at a high level in that game against Derwin James is super important. Because Derwin James is arguably he's the highest paid now safety in football. And you need Waller out wide or on the inside in the slot taking that safety with him on the other side of the field to open up the other side for Devontae or the same thing. If Devontae's double-teamed over the top with Derwin James and Waller and Renfro are running routes underneath, away from him, that's going to be important. And the status of Mr. Interception, J.C. Jackson in the first game, after he just had a light knee scope and could be a game-time decision there. Are they going to force him and quickly try to get him to come from surgery to play against the Raiders in the first game of the year, September 11th, or hold him back so he can be ready for Week 2 and beyond? Don't know. They got a tough schedule out of the gate, too. 702-365-9200. In regards to, I'm not an expert on the WNBA. I just pull for the owner. Mark Davis is a great friend. We spent a lot of time with each other at the alumni weekend, and he wants his aces to win. It's important to him. Not only the football team, but his investment and ownership with the aces. And they got to bounce back and have a big game. They got to play looser, come out and score. And usually when you're the favorite and you drop game one, you come out in game two and you just play gangbusters. You go all out and everything comes together. That's going to have to happen. Brianna Stewart is one of the best players, female basketball players of all time. Of all time. You don't want to see her get going. 702-365-9200. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. If you want to get in, I got time with you before the top of the hour. What was your favorite part of the last weekend? What'd you love about last week? And if you went to the game, again, 61,000 tickets were used, sold, money into the till. Did you go to the game and what'd you think of it? I had a great time. Had a great weekend. It was very memorable. The month of August with Clip Ranch and Alumni Weekend, fantastic. think you know since I came to this organization it's been you know it's just been an amazing experience for me to come to this place and be as supportive as I had over a long period of time and you know I read all these stories about all these different places I was supposed to go or could have gone and I'm like I only was going to go to you know one place which was here you know and I think this whole organization knows that and all the conversations that we've had over a period of time I chose the right place for me and uh, very proud of the effort that everyone's put in to make the relationship work and uh, Joel's been amazing. Um, Jason's a great friend of mine. Um, Bruce, Todd, uh, all the coaches. It's been an amazing relationship. And I'm very grateful to everybody for 
allow me to come down here and experience this part of my football life, which you know I look back and would probably be incomplete had I not had it. So I'm happy I ha- I've had it. That's Tom Brady, and that is not an accurate statement. Reports are he was close to going to the Raiders. It was reportedly a done deal, so he was interested in Vegas, and he was interested in going to Miami because Miami was tampering with him. So to say that Tampa Bay was the place he always wanted to be, that is not accurate. And that's classic Tom Brady, and he can get away with that because he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. we got a guest coming up from Sports Illustrated in a moment, Gary Grambling, on Brady's reaction for that post-game press conference. He didn't look right to me. Is it going to affect the season win total for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Just win Wendy. Always good to see her at the torch before the games. How are you, Wendy? Hey, I'm doing good. It's, um, it's Monday, and I don't work on Monday, so I could call you. I just wanted to give you my takeaways from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my takeaways is that there were takeaways. I was so excited. We had a couple of interceptions. We had some strip sacks. We had some, I mean, I'm all about the defense. I want to see the defense do great because I know the offense is already set. It's going great. It's going to be fine. And as far as the 53, you know, I just, I can't get, you know, too set on any one person because I don't know. I'm not a scout. I'm not, you know, a coach. I want to see what those guys think is the best thing. And I really do trust them. I trust Josh and Dave to find the best guys they have so far. And uh, there's no reason why not. So let's have some more takeaways and can't wait to, Kill the the Chargers. I'm sorry. Uh, beat the Chargers and black out that stadium at SoFi. Yes, it'll be great, Wendy. Good seeing you. Thanks for always supporting the show. Appreciate you very much. you got to have confidence with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I'll be meeting with them on Thursday. We're doing something special here in the building. And that'll be after cuts. And hopefully I'll get a lot of good information out of that heading into week one against the Los Angeles Chargers. Gary Grambling, kind enough to join us. He's with Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback and also with Sports Illustrated. And he joins us here on Raider Nation Radio. Gary, thanks for a few minutes. I was just talking about Tom Brady. I wanted to get your theory about all those 10, 11 days off and what he was doing. And after seeing his press conference Saturday night, does he look right to you? Uh, not one that can top the whole uh, what he's doing, the, the Mass Singer reality show thing. Uh, he doesn't want to be there. I, I don't know I don't know how else he can sort of get it across here that he didn't want to play in Tampa this year. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily Miami or, or maybe San Francisco that uh, he wanted to head to, but he wanted to be there. And uh, it's kind of interesting how this is going to play out because, you know, we know Tom Brady and he does things between the lines that are very impressive. But uh, his thing for 20 years now has been he lifts everyone in that locker room with him, uh, both sides of the ball. And the other guys on that team just have to be looking at it and saying, oh, quarterback doesn't want to be here. Uh, they're obviously banged up on the interior offensive line. Uh, you know, Chris Godwin's coming off the torn ACL. We'll, we'll see what they are early in the year. But, uh, you know, it seems like it kind of has the potential to to go off the rails just a bit, but uh, we'll we'll see. That that's one yeah. to keep an eye on there. Yeah, I think that is good analysis by you. He doesn't want to be there. He will be there, and he'll play his ass off. And he was just voted number one by his peers in the NFL top one hundred, mm-hmm. as you know. So we know there's no criticism of Brady as a game manager, as a legend, the greatest of all time. But I think it's fair to have that opinion that he doesn't look like he wanted to grind through the humid heat of Tampa and he wanted some time off there to refresh his body to be with his family whatever he is and I think the players understand that but the key is 
we could all suggest he doesn't want to be there. He wanted to be with the Dolphins. I agree with that. Yeah. No, it's uh, – look, it's it's going to be fascinating what goes on down there. I think – look, I think Todd Bowles is an upgrade over, over Bruce Arians as the head coach there. Uh, they have all the pieces. It's just uh, – yeah, I mean, if, if you're a teammate of Tom Brady's now and you see what's going on this – you know, going back to the retirement, uh, the brief retirement last winter mm-hmm. – I don't know. You just shrug your shoulders and say, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. Gary Grambling is our guest. So I had the pleasure of going to Patriots Raiders practice. Their joint practices and the Patriots got beat by the Raiders. I know it's only a preseason game, but they don't look right. And I think that my number one takeaway is they don't have a play caller for Mac Jones, who's regressing. He's regressing after losing Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick didn't sign off on a new well-recognized quarterback coach slash offensive coordinator, how much do you think it's going to hurt the Patriots? Yeah, you know, it's like you step back, JT, and say, well, it's Belichick. And you just figure Belichick's going to get it right in the end. But uh, it's not set up very well. And, and we say this from afar. We don't know what's going on in the locker room. It's preseason football. That's the time to actually work some things out. It doesn't matter if they look bad in these games, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, if this starts slowly for them, and, and look, the AFC is tough, and we know the AFC East is, is going to belong to the Bills uh, unless something very strange happens there. Uh, I, I don't know. There's going to be a lot of criticism if uh, this offense isn't clicking uh, by October or so. And, you know, the guys who have kind of been uh, the face of, you know, whatever is going to be the play-calling situation there, uh, you know, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, those guys are kind of punching bags. Uh, fairly or not, I mean, those guys are going to be magnets for criticism, and then they were going to be already. But uh, if they have a hand in this offense underachieving in year two under Mac Jones, uh, we're, uh, look, guys like you and me are going to talk about it nonstop for, uh, for like three months here. Chargers are 0-3. They went 0-3 in the preseason. I know they didn't play a lot of starters here, but mm-hmm. they could have a couple of chemistry issues here as they're bringing in new players. J.C. Jackson, Mr. Interception, obviously got his knee scoped. He might be a game-time decision for that first game. Are you high on the Chargers this year? How far do you got the Chargers going, not only in the AFC West, but the entire AFC? Oh, I'm really high on the Chargers. I, I think the Chargers are a Super Bowl team here. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously we, we <laughs> there are a lot of teams in the AFC who are Super Bowl caliber. Uh, I'm picking the Chargers to make the Super Bowl. Uh, it, on paper, it all adds up. And, and we get carried away with on paper, and, and that's just the way it is. But uh, when I look, obviously Justin Herbert's all world. They're, they're going to be good offensively. When I look at a defense, what I want to see is can they create turnovers? And it, that's a difficult thing. And sometimes there are teams that are built to create turnovers, and maybe they only get 20 over the course of the season, whereas, you know, you have a team get some, uh, you know, tips, deflected interceptions, sort of fluky stuff, gets up to 35 40. Uh, the way you want to create turnovers is with havoc in the pass rush and some ball skills guys in the secondary. That's what they have there. And, and like you said, J.C. Jackson, we don't know. Uh, exactly what the injury status is going to be early on in the season, but putting J.C. Jackson behind the pass rush, that is Joey Bosa plus uh, Khalil Mack, even if it's not vintage Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack can still play, uh, that's really good. I mean, that's, that could add up to 30, 35 turnovers, and with that complimenting Justin Herbert, I think that's as good as it gets 
uh, in the AFC at this point, except for maybe, I mean, obviously you'd put Buffalo up there. Uh, let's see what Mahomes does uh, and that sort of stuff. But I think the, the Chargers should absolutely be considered a Super Bowl contender here. I personally am picking them to win the AFC. Happy I asked you that. Put you out there. You got the Chargers going <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Gary Gramling is our guest, Sports Illustrated, MMQB. Uh, I like what Mitch Trubisky's done. He deserves it with his record in Chicago, and Chicago's toxic. He goes over to Pittsburgh, pickets mm-hmm. there. We all know he'll be the franchise quarterback, but he did enough to earn the starting job. He had a good first half there. They should give him the respect of letting him start off the season there, and if he doesn't get out of the gate quick, they can go to pick it, but I like Trubisky, and I think the Steelers are going to have a bounce back year. How do you see it? You know, I like Trubisky too. It's 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 a it's a real weird team in Pittsburgh, and we all kind of whenever we look at these teams, we tend to start with what they did last year, and then just sort of say, okay, well, are they going to build off this? Uh, what did they gain? What did they lose? Et cetera, et cetera. The Steelers were a really weird playoff team, and and I guess weird is my nice way of saying they they just weren't a good team last year. They 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 won a lot of strange games, a lot of fluky games. Weirdly enough, they were not good defensively. T.J. Watt was was all galaxy. Uh, they were not good defensively. They were banged up on the defensive line. The linebacking play was really really poor, and they'd never really had that happen under Mike Tomlin. And they just got bailed out by a combination of Watt and uh, just some weird special teams plays that. That sort of bail them out a couple of times here. But uh, I'd like to see Trubisky operate that Matt Canada offense and just see what it is. Mm -hmm. Look, in all likelihood, yeah, he's probably – we'll get to October and it'll be, all right, well, we've seen enough from Trubisky. Time to move on. Uh, Let's see what Kenny Pickett has. But uh, there's obviously an opportunity in that division. You figure Cleveland without Sean Watson is – you know, probably uh, second tier there. We'll see what the Ravens have. A lot of new faces there. And the Bengals, look, the Bengals were for real last year. Coming off a 21-game season, they essentially had no injuries on their roster last year. That's not going to happen again. Uh, I think there's going to be some wear and tear issues. There's an opportunity for the Steelers to uh, to sneak in there and, and sort of stay in contention there. And obviously, you love the coaching staff in the end, and, and I think that mm-hmm. does make a big deal. I think there are a handful of coaches who uh, you just kind of look at and say, yep, they're, they're going to get it done. They're going to figure it out. And I think Mike Tomlin is one of those guys. Gary Gramling, as we wrap it up from Sports Illustrated, do you have a sleeper team, a non-playoff team from last year that you have your eye on that should be a playoff team, maybe most improved as we come into the start of the season next week? You know, I've been flagging Detroit, uh, and I like Minnesota, mm. mostly because I, I just think the NFC, that second tier in the NFC just isn't very good, and someone's got a chance to jump up and uh, and snag that spot. I know everyone's kind of hot on Detroit right now. I think that's legit. I do think Jared Goff is going to, uh, we'll see a better version of him than maybe even we saw uh, with the Rams, even if it's not quite statistically what he did early on under McVay, but uh, I do like Kevin O'Connell there. I think they are, the Vikings are probably closer uh, to making a run here than, than people give them credit for, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Again, that's that's more a result of just the NFC being wide open here. I, I think there's a chance for someone to jump up and uh, uh, you know win 10 or 11 games who we just don't see right now. Thanks, Gary. Great analysis. I like following your work. Appreciate you coming on. Let's do it again. JT, anytime, man. Appreciate you. Excellent. And Gary's with Sports Illustrated at SI.now. And you can also see what he does with Peter King on the Monday morning quarterback. He picked the Chargers. I almost fell out of my seat to go to the Super Bowl. I can't avoid it, man. I'm doing my best. The the amount of Charger, Charger love is out there. And the Raiders got to go smack them in week one. 
to just quiet it down or it'll never stop. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Thanks to all of our guests, all of our partners, everybody who listens. Kind of the week as we wrap up the preseason. Cuts coming from 80 to 53. That will be a big deal. Hear about it first here on the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. At JT the Brick on Twitter and Facebook. Q on deck. Have a great day, everyone. Fever.